need y'all to help me pray. Right now, it's kind of me as far as other churches, but I'm, I'm, I'm really, uh, I'm not much of a politician at all, but I'm, what, I've, what the Lord has given me to do is not so much as raise up a men's ministry, but to help pastors put a men's ministry in each one of their churches, which is quite a bit different. So a lot of pastors think, well, my church is too small or I'm not geared towards uh, men's ministry. It, it, it takes someone that's, well, anyway. So I'm, I'm endeavoring to start them, these pastors, to put a men's ministry in their church. And so we're going to have a, what we're calling a man on fire meeting in, uh, in uh, Timberlake. It's a real first-class facility uh, on 200 acres up by Millport. Where is Millport? I, I promise you, it's out in. You go to Reform and tor- turn north. That's you know, I, I, Reform really. You, know, I, you go to the country after Reform, if you can imagine that. But it's a real first-class uh, place. Uh, the uh, the man that uh, that uh, built it had sent his kids to church camps. And he was pretty disgusted by the facilities and the, the availability of things for kids to do. So he just, he was in an excavation business. So he just put his dozers out there and, and uh, built one. So that's where we're going. The price is very, very reasonable. We, we are impressed with their asking price and we were able to pass that along. So I'm, uh, we've had one sign up. No, not me. No, I'm, I'm in. So, uh, I want to incur- so nobody can be number one anymore, but you could be number two or three. So I want to encourage you to do this. We're, what it'll be is, is we'll show up on Thursday afternoon and uh, we'll eat dinner together and then we'll have a, a session and let the word of God go forth. And then on Friday, we'll have breakfast and a couple of sessions and then lunch and then the afternoon's off to do whatever you want. Uh, there's lots to do. You think, ah, there's nothing. It's just kid stuff. It's, it's really cool stuff. And so uh, then that evening we'll have dinner, have another session, and then Friday mor- uh, Saturday morning we'll have, a se- have breakfast, a session, and come home. Uh, it's real simple. And so if you're looking for a Six Flags experience or a, or a Disneyland or anything, I, I purposely am staying away from the, those things. Um, but there's plenty to do, and you will enjoy the men that are coming. What this is, is, uh, is uh, stalwart, resilient, and fierce. I'm looking for strong men in Alabama. The truth is, is uh, 20% of the men or any group of people do 80% of the work, and that's why I'm looking for that 20%. I'm looking for the Lord's looking, and I'm helping him find the men that would not drink irresponsibility in the river when Gideon was looking for 300. He started out with 32,300 men, and he only took 300 up the hill. So, it, so it, numerically it doesn't matter, but I need y'all to support it. Uh, I would think you would want to uh, do that. But we're, we're going to, there's lots here to do. And it's going to be fun. Men, Debbie always told me, girls just want to have fun. 
I think guys do too. So we're going to have a lot. We're going to really enjoy it. And it's going to be something that's very unique. There's not anything like this in the state of in the United States that I know of. I've I've looked and researched. There's nothing like what we're putting together, and I believe it will be what we've all looked for, called a move of God in Alabama. I believe that the men will help lead that, and it'll the the whole uh, state will burn. I'm talking to pastors of all kinds of stripes, uh, Church of God, Assembly of God, all all stripes. And this goes past all of that. It is not a river church meeting or anything. It's a men's meeting. So I want to encourage you to, uh, they're back there. The brochures are back there. So if you have a friend, I'll tell you about it yesterday. Uh, two days ago, I was rolling down Skyland. I was going to go see, uh, what's your name again? <laughs> I was going to go see Lynn and, and uh, I got behind a, a, a 1969 Chevrolet pickup with a real nice boat behind it. And this gentleman was just tooling down the road. I love 68, 69, and 70 Chevrolet pickups. And so I followed him. He had Jesus is Lord on it and read Matthew 6, 33 and, and uh, uh, God the Father. Yeah, he, he, he was decked up. He had decaled all up. So I followed him. And he pulled in to where I was going and to the car wash. And so I stopped and I said, are you a Jesus man? He said, always and never not. And uh, so I got his address and sent him a brochure because this is where a Jesus man would want to be. And I would encourage you uh, that it's a part of your ministry to uh, connect other people to the king. Not, not necessarily to preach. Sometimes we preach to him, teach him, but sometimes you just connect them. So I, I sent him one. Who knows what will happen? I've sent, I've sent one to people that are going, what in thunder am I getting this for? I'm just staying connected because, see, you could travel from all over the United States to this men's meeting. And the curriculum, you could do it in your living room, in your office or whatever. So this thing will work anywhere, any, any way. So you can expect, y'all, the revival has come. It is here and it's coming. It's here and it's coming. It's here and it's coming. So uh, yay for that. So I want to encourage you. Because you know me and, and we're all in this together, you could discount this and say, uh, isn't that Jesus? And aren't his brothers and sisters here? And they, they, the word says Jesus could do no mighty work among his brethren, among those that help. So we, you will have to get past that and, and pretend that this came from Arkansas or Georgia or somewhere. And it's like, oh, we got to get on that because it's obviously out of town. It must be wonderful. No, it's right here. And uh, I've been in men's ministry, directing men's ministry since 1986. And I believe in it. I believe we'll all benefit. We'll all uh, prosper from that. So uh, we're still looking for a, a musician sort of thing which that's going to be uh, the challenge is having music because all churches are so different in their music. That's what people are used to is what's in their church. And while I'm there, I'll just tell you, we sing it a little different here. Uh, and it's not because we're not aware of what's going on out there and that we don't know the songs that are out there. I, uh, what we do when we sing, it's very purposeful, very, very directed. I look for songs or Deborah looks for songs, and we, we go through them together, that have Jesus in them, or have the blood in them. Almost, almost, not nearly all of them, but many, many songs that are very popular or very have a good, good 
rhythm to them or a song to them, omit those things. And if you look at them and read the words, the words do not lift him up. Well, I, I say buy those tapes and buy those CDs and get that on your radio and listen to those because they are mostly, not always, but they're entertainment. And you can do anything with anything. I mean, you can take a song that doesn't have Jesus. We have songs here that don't have Jesus in, but I put him in when I sing. And when, when it says, you are, you are our Lord, I just say, you are my Lord. Things like that. You can do anything you want to, but it's a confession. It's a, it's a confession of who he is and who we are in him and what he's supplied and provided and promised for. So that's what our songs are. So some of them are kind of old. We sang that one. That's a hymn. All hail the power of Jesus' name. And you, I guess you noticed that it's, there's no instruments in it. They, all that is vocals. Well, it's just got good words to it. And we sing songs about the blood. And it's got good words. So I, there's two divisions here. We, in church, we're going to set our confession that Jesus is Lord and I'm the righteousness of God in him. And everything is good for me. And that's the songs we sing. So you go, what's up? Or they need to get out more. Or we get out more. And, and now I'm not mad at anybody. And I, like I said, I really like the... I listen to some songs. To tell you the truth, I listen to... Shame on me, but I listen to oldies sometimes. I just, I just get over there and I'm like, oh yeah, I like that. I remember I was where I was in 1966 when that thing came on and... You know, that's what old men talk about. So uh, so that's entertainment. I don't mix that up with my worship. Praise God. So y'all are a blessing. You would not know that this, this congregation, you would not know that what God has planted here is a key to revival in the, in the earth. We are so benign, so undercover, so, so unassuming. It, you have to see what God's doing here in the spirit. You have to, because it's just like, what is this? This is nothing. Um, but I can tell you it's something. And uh, we don't know where it's all going or what our part is. We know we have a part. We're not the whole thing by any means, but we're going to be ready to join anybody that, that leads or we'll lead where nobody is leading. And uh, so what you're doing here is very significant. And I'm real proud that we are all together in this. Um, we're going to receive the Sunday morning tithes and offerings this morning. And praise God. Uh, Joey's everywhere. He used to be in the aisle, but now he's everywhere. Am, am I a little hot, Mike? Is that a little hot or is that just right? A little hot. A little hot. You got me hot, Wendy. <laughs> I know I'm hot. Hallelujah. Deborah Ann says, you're hot. In Deuteronomy, excuse me, verse uh, chapter eight. Now this is way, way Old Testament. This is this isn't even something like in Isaiah or Ezekiel where it's prophetic. This is just plain old law. This is just plain old. This is how you're going to do it. Old Testament. It is the law. But what the, the Lord Jesus did is He brought life to the law. He brought life. So we, we're, he said, I didn't come to do away with the law. I came to fulfill it. And so he's doing that. So we would say that what's happening in the Old Testament, especially in Deuteronomy and Leviticus and stuff like that, is the minimum. Everything you see here 
is the minimum because we have better promises built on better covenants and better blood. So this would be the minimum. So let's look in verse uh, verse 11. Yesterday, there was a feed that came up in my, uh, my news feed, and it, it was interesting. It talked about 10 different individuals that had won the lottery over the years. And as you know, there's uh, someone, you might not know, who cares, won a $1.28 billion lottery this weekend. A billion is an infathomable number. They throw it around like it's just something, but it's, it's a number that you can't even get around. It's a, it's a, it's a thousand millions. A thousand millions. So anyway, uh, they were talking about these ten people. They picked them out, what had happened to them. And every one of them had died in debt or in a, uh, uh, with bankruptcy. One of them had died in a... He had won, I'll, I'll bring them, but $3 million. He died in a storage unit. With, and with his wife, and she left him. And uh, other ones, uh, their, their kinfolks and their neighbors built them out of lots and lots of money. Others gave their money away and this, that, and the other. And they all, ten of them, died terrible lives. And the common theme among several of them was, I wish I had never won. I wish I hadn't won. So... The uh, so so somebody would say, well, that's it. Uh, money is the root of all evil, but that's not it. Love of the the love of money is the root of all evil, and we can handle it, but we have to develop a capacity. Yes. You, you, the world can't handle the money that we're supposed to handle, and so we're being faithful over a little. We're putting our tithe in. We're, we're discerning by Holy Ghost what the offering is or, or whatever or who to give to someone, a homeless person you give to them or whatever you do on the side, how you minister. He says in verse uh, uh, 11 of chapter 8 of Deuteronomy, When thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee. And then here comes the warning in verse 11. Oh, excuse me, verse 10, now 11. Beware that thou forget not. The Lord thy God. Beware. Beware. So he's telling us here there's a seduction of wealth. Wealth has a seduction. It's meant by God to bless and prosper. But there's a seduction to it. In not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes, which I command you this day, lest, lest when thou have eaten and art full and has built goodly houses... Let's say that word together. Goodly houses. He's not saying they're evil. He just says when you prosper, and you will if you do the law, in this case, you'll, have, you'll build goodly houses. And when thy herds, thy flocks multiply, thy silver and thy gold is multiplied, and all that thou hast is multiplied, then thine heart be lifted up. Now here's the danger. That our heart be lifted up, he said, and thou forget the Lord thy God which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt and from the house of bondage, who led thee through the great and terrible wilderness, wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought, where there was no water, who brought thee forth water out of the rock of flint, who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee and that he might prove thee, now look right here, to do thee good at thy latter end, to reward you. And so this, this 
person that they're these people that he's he's warning. He said, and that 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 would say in thine heart, my power and the might of mine hand hath gotten me this wealth. There's the danger. Not everyone can handle wealth. And you think, well, I'm the exception. Well, you are now because of the word. Because you've dealt with greed by giving. Giving makes you deal with greed. You don't feel it. You don't even understand it, maybe. But when we give, we, we put $10 in out of our whatever we have. We have dealt with greed. We have decisively cut it off. He said uh, that thou wouldst say in thine heart, my power and the might of mine hand hath gotten me this wealth. But, but he said, but do this. And this is what we're doing. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for he hath, he hath given thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he sware unto thy fathers, as it is this day. So we just, we, we don't just prosper. We give him glory for the prosperity. Because yeah. we are all as ordinary as can be in our root foundational being. And... Uh, lots of people give. Philanthropists like Bill Gates and uh, Buff, Buffett and all those people, they actually spend a great deal of their time figuring out how to give their money. And you go, well, that shouldn't take long. It takes them the majority of their life because they've got a system set up where they're making it. You know, how much do you make today, Mr. Buffett? Well, I made, I made $100,000 today and I'll make 100000 tomorrow. So I got to get in there and find out what to do with it. Well, that's that's the world. And we are enamored by that. Wow, that'd be it. We shouldn't be enamored by that. We know what to do with wealth. I said you didn't, but now you do. You know what to do. You may struggle with it when it comes. And the Lord's not withholding. The system is in is in play. When you tithe, the windows are open. When you give. Men are looking for you. That's how it is every day, just like it is for Mr. Buffett to get 100000 every day on his investments or whatever. That's what's happening to you. But he's aware of it. But we've not been aware of it because we've been programmed to give dutifully and out fearfully. Like, if I don't give the tithe, God will get me. He'll get it. I've heard that from all my religious life. If you don't give it, God will get it. He'll come smack you. That is such a lie. But anyway, we're thankful for the wealth. But there's more coming. Amen. So this is a very powerful time in your life. We spend more time on it than anybody that I know because it is so powerful. You can take your mind off of how are we going to do this and how are we going to get that? You can take your mind off how you're going to retire and how you're going to pay off. You can take your mind off of it because if you'll put your mind on this, it's solved. This is this is the answer. And we're already doing it. I'm not talking you into anything. I so appreciate you all letting us talk about the offering without you thinking that we're trying to get money from you. We're not. Lord, we thank you. That the system is in place, the covenant is working, and my life is greater than it ever could be without you. So we give, we release, 
we sow, we covenant, we remind ourselves that we are totally beholden to you. And we thank you for a capacity that's being enlarged to hold great sums in order to move and administrate the kingdom now and in the future. You're going to need someone that's able to move in a moment's notice. Much funds, much money, much property, much influence. And Lord, we we are qualifying now for a day that we've never seen. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Joey. Praise God. We have 12 strong men at River Church. I just am proclaiming it to you this morning. We have 12 strong men. Uh, we were talking this morning numerically that what a, what a strong church River Church is, just in this statistic, that there's only one more woman, adult woman, in the church than there are men. Just one more. Now, we had to bump Matthew up into manhood. We had to make, he, make him the, the, the warrior that he, but we had to move him out of children's church, which he is. So to get that, but that, that's an amazing statistic uh, compared to almost all churches. And uh, we also decreed this morning, uh, so I'll just tell you this, do what, with it what you will, that we're going to fast negativity and smallness in August. So starting tomorrow, we're going to, we're, your wife, your husband, your whatever. Nope, we're not saying that negative thing. We're not saying that small thing. Ah, oh, we, what are we going to do? Well, it's probably not going to work out for us. And this is the way it always happens to us. We're going to fast that. We're just not, we're going to throw it away. We're going to confess the word. We're going to confess the promise. We're going to confess who we are, who we already are. If we would agree with who we are, there's nothing that can hold you back. Amen. So, children, yay for you. Are you one? Are you going? Are you taking that dumb dog? <laughs> he carries around a dumb, dumb dog. That flop-eared thing. <laughs> See, when you eat peaches, you get happy. That's, 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 what, that's what that's all about. See how happy I am? You say, how, how come he's so happy? I eat peaches. I love peaches. Hallelujah. Has anybody got another testimony, something that rose up in you and you say, this would be a good time? Shake it off. Yes. Shake it off. Well, amen. That's awesome. Yes. Well, that, that just says that they're blessed from being under our wings. Of course, Jesus loves them as much as he loves you, but... Well, amen. So we, know, we have no idea how many times we've all been saved from death or affliction or destruction. How many times did it just never happen and we just went on our merry way not realizing? The other day I went to change lanes and I'd looked two or three times, you know, and where did that little black car come from? I have no idea, but uh, I did not run. I should have run over it because I was, I was changing lanes. And uh, I could just feel that I was being jerked back to my lane. And I'm, I'm so grateful that that would have been a day wrecker, wouldn't it? 
Hallelujah. Well, good, good for that. That's awesome. Thank you for Wendy in the sound booth this morning. She's on point today. Hallelujah. What do we need Barry for? Throw the bum out. Throw the bum out. We need him? Okay. Okay, come back, Barry. Yeah, he's a strong man. Praise God. Okay, well, we're going to bring the word this morning. I want to preach the word, and you want to hear it preached. So we're going to have a transaction this morning. So turn in your Bible with me, if you would, to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to pick up where we left off two weeks ago when we talked about God is all you need him to be. Or in first person, God is all I need him to be. Let's say that together with conviction. God is all I need him to be. Now you think, well, that's that's good. And people even say, God is good all the time. But that, most of the people I look at and know their lives, that is so contrary. They, they, they're, it's like having three years or something. It's no more uh, in their life, but they're saying God is good. Well, I don't know what they mean by that, I can guess. But as we live out our lives, we find out that expectation, what we expect, reveals our faith. What do you believe? Well, I believe the whole thing. Yeah, I believe the whole Bible. I believe it. Well, let's talk about your expectation. What are you expecting? Well, this is flu season. You, you know how that comes around. And, you know, this is summertime, and that gets slow. And, and you know, and you go, well, your expectation does not say that God is good all the time. And so that is the measure of our faith, of what we expect. So when it's in you, it'll come out of you. And if it's not in you, you can parrot it and just yakety yak, I'm healed, I'm whole, I'm wealthy, I'm supplied. You can yak all that, but then when, when the clutch comes, when you get the IRS letter and you're standing there holding it going, what is this? And you, you feel a, a nervousness come over you. You just know that's your expectation. This isn't going to be good. When in fact, it's a letter saying, we overpaid you and we want to refund it all now. So our expectation... We want to raise our expectation. I want to raise my expectation because I'll have what I expect. An amazing thing with our words, the power of our words, that it actually changes our life when they're words of faith. It will move the mountain, according to Mark eleven twenty three. It will move the mountain, and it'll move it and cast it into the sea. Like, who believes that? Oh, we all believe that. Well, who believes that? Well, I don't know. I've never seen it, never heard of it. I don't know. So that's really the measure of it. So uh, I wrote down uh, that, that same, somebody said two weeks ago, that it is a truth. So get ready for truth. I don't know anything about God, His kingdom, or me apart from the Bible. Well, this is what I think. You don't know anything. Well, this is my experience. Get away. Back up. We don't know anything. You don't, I don't, nobody knows anything about the Lord himself, what the Lord Jesus did for us, the power of the Holy Spirit, the kingdom operation, and who I am in him as a born-again believer. I know nothing except right here. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what grandma thought. It doesn't matter how it turned out. God caused that accident because we ended up getting money that we could pay off the house or, or whatever. 
you're just wrong. It's not in the B-I-B-L-E, and, and so is a lot of stuff that people say they believe. And it's called in the Bible traditions of men. It's the only thing more powerful than the Word of God because it stops the Word of God, the traditions of men. So I hate traditions of men. I despise them because I've, I've, been, I've been years, just like you, working stuff out so that I could work stuff in. They can't both be in there at the same time, so I'm working out little. I was raised in, in not lack. I, we certainly weren't poor, but my dad was buying a farm with every dime and dollar. And so we just, we just didn't have anything, even though it was a flow in. He was buying a farm. And at one time, if he's not still, he was the largest taxpayer in Gaines County, which is the number one cotton producing county in Texas, number one peanut producing county, and number one oil producing county in the whole state of Texas. My father was the number, the highest land. They have high taxes in Texas, and uh, he paid more land taxes than anybody on the road. So uh, you'd think, well, you came from wealth. <laughs> it was somewhere, but it was you had to walk on it. You walked on the land that he owned, but uh, we, you know, it was. You've seen people that are completely wealthy, but living off of their Social Security and just holding on to it tight. I hope I make it to the end of the month. Y'all ever heard of those people? Yes. Uh, so, so we're breaking out of stuff like that. That's a, that's a detrimental mindset that you hold on to your money so you can make it. And then when you've made it, you hold on to it so you'll have enough to finish up. It's everywhere. It is that spirit. So we, we, so we are developing or changing into, there's plenty more where that came from. And that's a mindset that's difficult to embrace, to say there's plenty more. Because the implication is, is we should be free. Free in our giving. No fear. All of the re- recession's coming. It'll affect many, but it won't affect me. And you can't just say that, well, I'm going to read my little deal here and read that. It's got to be originated out of you before it'll work. So I'm working on that in my life. How about you? Y'all working on that? Because I, I, the, the thing that we read in Deuteronomy this morning, the danger of having enough is that you won't, act, you won't have what you're supposed to have. In other words, you'll quit because you got enough. Good is the enemy of best. So we, got, we can't stop. Well, we got enough here. Me and Mama got, we're set up. Everything's paid for and we're doing good and, and the kids are blessed and we, we, we got us, we're ready. We're going to coast to the end. Well, that'd be good if you're just a red-blooded American, but if you're a, if you're a warrior in the kingdom of God and you are called to fund ministries at the certain time that that comes available, you're going to have to have some access to some accumulation. That's what I think. Now, nobody will know. Nobody will condemn you. But when we get to the judgment, it could be, could be that we'll see what we were supposed to do and what we were not able to do, even though we were so blessed. And I am I'm so blessed. Are y'all blessed? We're just so blessed. It's just... But, but we should never get to that place in Deuteronomy 8 where it says that thou shalt say it is the... It is the power of my hand that hath gotten me this wealth. That's the danger. 
Okay, so the other thing we're going to review is that there was two things that are needful for the kingdom of God to be successful. And we could all guess at this. It's prayer, it's faith, it's love and everything. But actually, it's real simpler than that. It's uh, believers that believe. Not just believers that assent, but believers that believe. If you're a believer that believes, you're leading something. You're in charge of something. You're in charge of people that want to believe, but you're ahead because you believe. You're sold out. You've worked everything out that's negative, that's small, that's got a failure in it. You've worked it out. That's not me. Used to be me, but it's not me anymore. I win. Every time I rise up, I win. I get what I go after in the Lord Jesus, and I never fail. I can't fail. God can't fail. God's in me. I can't fail. And you, you get an attitude. People don't like attitudes. They don't like that edgy thing that says, I am the head and not the tail. I'm above only and not beneath. He always causes me to triumph in Christ Jesus every time. And as he is right now in this moment, so am I in this world. Uh, people, you know, we, we, we put up with it in here and everything. But a lot of times it's parroting. It's just saying that's what we want or that's what we're moving towards. But if you find a man or a woman that's got that in them, they've conquered that. They've worked stuff out. And then they've worked who they are in. They can't, they can't be stopped. And it's rare. It's rare. There's not many of them. But we are them. Because we're in a hot pursuit. You can't just teach this one time and then say, let's go off on something. This thing has to be rolling around in us all the time. All the time. All the time. You've got to listen to this. To maintain healing in your life, you've got to listen to it all the time. To maintain a financial uh, uh, aloofness above the world's slack, you got to listen to it all the time. You listened to it this morning in Deuteronomy. I taught you the Word of God, and it, it, it surprised nobody, but it reinforced all of us. Yes, we said yes. So in that, there was a reinforcement. So believers that believe are essential for the king. But the second thing is a world that sees believers believe. So what Pam was talking about in her situation is that there was a need, a, a very imminent need, a, could have been a life-changing need if he hadn't lived, but she could access the kingdom. So this, this person that needed help saw a believer believe. And he, he ended up, someone that does not customarily probably give glory to God, said, I, I wouldn't be here without a believer that believed. I saw her believe, and now I'm changed. Now, that, that's a transaction. Dr. Cole says that we should not tell our children how to make decisions. We should let them watch, them, watch us make ours. So someone could be very controlling and say, well, I'd do this and I'd do that if I was you. Instead, we should be an open book to God be the glory. We got this, we have that, we can do this because of the Lord. And they hear that and they see that. So in Hebrews chapter 11, you're there, let's look in verse 6. It's so much fun to go through what verses 1 through 5, but we'll just jump to 6. And... Uh, Let's read it together. Verse 6. Ready? Read. 
But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So, yay. That's powerful. We said that uh, the word impossible there is the word that is uh, used for to be impotent. Impotent means to be powerless. So he's saying there, without faith, you are powerless, you are impotent to believe, to please God. You can't please God. Well, I did pretty good. You know, I think I'm doing good. I'm all right with my life. I help people and I, I share and I care and I go to church and uh, I share the word sometimes. He, he didn't say any of that. He said, he that comes to God must believe that he is. Well, what does that mean? Well, he is who he says he is. So if he said, I'm going to supply all your needs according to my riches and glory by Christ Jesus, pleasing him means we believe that to the point of changing our life. In other words, we enter into that transaction. We don't just say, we don't just have ear service that says, I heard that and I believe that. We actually act on it in our life. We actually do things according to that that we wouldn't have done or our neighbor wouldn't have done without knowing that. So we believe. And believing believers believe. And they do what they believe. So uh, he said we are, it, that it's impossible to satisfy him, please him. It's impossible to satisfy God. You know, I want to, we, we all probably grew up wanting to please our father. And in some cases, that's very challenging. It's life altering where they just cannot be pleased. The bar's always right of past where you measured up and you always could have done more and you always could have stayed longer and, and, and played harder and whatever. And uh, so we, we know that physically in a lot of families. But how awesome it isn't to not please your father, to know without faith all your good works are in vain. In other words, they count for nothing. I don't want all my works. I've got a bunch of them going. How about you? I'm, I'm a good boy. I'm a good boy. I am. I'm a good boy. I, I, I'm walking the walk and talking the talk within limits. But, but, I, but I want the Lord to say, that's my boy. Atta boy. But if he says, none of that was done in faith. You were just looking for the atta boy from this person and those people. I'm not happy with you. It'd be very disconcerting. To know we hadn't pleased God for all that he's done for us. So I'm, I see here in the word in verse 6 that it says, Without faith it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. We, we discern that to mean who he says he is. And then we have to take it a further bit. If I, if I believe him that he is who he says he is and he cannot lie. Is that who he says he is? He cannot lie. And the truth is in him. He is the truth. Then I'd have to believe by a second chapter, I'd have to believe who he says I am. To believe that he is who he says he is, is to believe who I am he says he is. And who the devil says he says he is. Well, is the devil almighty and all-powerful? He can be dismissed in the name of Jesus. He can be eviscerated, cut off in his maneuvers in my life by simply speaking words of faith 
to his operations. Well, do you believe that? Nah, I believe you got to have the cross and the stick and got to have a this, that and the other. And you got to go into deep intercession and you got to have all. Well, you don't believe that he is who he says he is and who the devil says he is. So you hadn't pleased him. Well, that sounds too easy. It sure does. And it sure is. It's easy to please God. We just decide to believe to the point that we act on what we believe. You hadn't believed until it changes what you do. So I've done lots of things that I say I believe and I enter into it, but I, but when it's over, I realize I didn't believe. I was coasting. I told you all that for years I believed that I was in faith about my health. And come to find out I was just young. <laughs> just 40 year olds are invincible. We, we never, whatever. So here he goes on in verse 6, and we're, we're, we're fixing to go to something new. And he's got that and in there, and it's really in there. I looked it up in the Greek. It's really in there. And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So how do I know I'm in faith? Well, I'm seeking him because I want his rewards. I believe they're worthy. I believe they're significant. I believe they're, they're something that I need in my life is the reward of the Lord. A rewarder of them. That diligently seek him, a rewarder, my, a rewarder for me. There's lots of rewards in the world, uh, you know, but none of them would compare to the Lord rewarding you. I don't even know what that would be. I don't know how that favor would come. I don't know what that would look like financially or, or in the anointing, but it would be significant. If I diligently seek him, I am proving that I believe who I believe who he says he is, who I am. And who the devil is. I believe if I sow my seed, that there is inherent promise that that seed will bring me a harvest. I believe that. Why? Because I believe that he is who he says he is, and that's what he said he is. So it changes everything. Or nothing, depending on where you are. Well, none of us are in that place where we're perfected in that, but we're all on the road in some measure to say, Lord, help my unbelief. So what are you looking for? When you, when you open your word, what are you looking for? When you pray, what are you looking for? What is, what is the target? What is the goal? What is the destination of, of what we do? Well, I'm just meditating the word. Well, what, to what end? If you just go through a chapter and read it, and then 30 minutes later someone says, I need you to tell me what that chapter is you read. I don't know. So what we're, what we're really doing in the kingdom, what we're doing right now this morning, is we're discovering. We're discovering who he says he is. We've already discovered he's not the author of confusion or chaos or, or lack or need. He's not that author. He's not that author. We've got past that. And that took a while for almost all of us to get past that because religion says you never know what God's going to do. God works in mysterious ways. His wonders to perform. You can't count on him. He might show up, but he might not. And you ought to just get happy over it, whichever way it went. Well, we've had to, we've had to flush out those lies that keep us from believing he is who he says he is. So he can turn what the devil meant for evil to good, but you would never say, so God must have done it so he could get the glory and say that 
that he did it. You just say, no, he's just extra good. And I diligently believe him. I believe he always rewards when I diligently seek him and that every reward is the result of my diligently seeking him. So you can't be a casual observer. You can't just say, oh, well, what will be will be. It'll all work out. I think, you know, God knows best. And if he wants me to have it or do it or be there, he'll just do it. That's a casual observer. But someone that diligently seeks him, that's someone that's pressing towards the mark. Would you all agree? Pressing. So we're not measured by what we do almost all the hours of the day. We are totally measured like you were just now when you put your offering in. That measured you in a moment. We weren't there but 10 or 12 minutes. And what you did, how you reacted or how you prepared yourself to come and react determined what's going to happen this whole week. This whole month, this whole the rest of this year, what you did in your heart, how you released your faith, what you said with your mouth in, in, in conviction from your heart and then planted that seed that changed everything. It will not be different than that. It will be a harvest. It will change your future. It, your future will not be the same as if you held on to it. It will not be the same. It cannot. Well, you, you go, I don't know about that. Well, then you're still not diligently seeking him because that's what the word says. And we only know about our situation according to what the word says. Yeah. Well, feelings? Eh. No feelings here, please. Opinions? Not here. What does the word say? What does the word consistently say? Because you can take any verse and make it say anything. You can make an argument for every false doctrine that's on the earth right now. They've all got a verse. Out of context. So what's the reward? He's a rewarder. The reward is that God is everything I need him to be for me. I don't want any pink Cadillacs. So you could say it's everything. Well, you may say, Lord, that would be my everything. You know, we talk sometimes about people that are believing God for a daycare. It's never been on my list. I don't even let that thing be on the table with my list. It's you step back. No daycares in my life. You're a good God. You're a heavenly father and you would not bring me a daycare. So so it's what I need It's that he he provides everything. He supplies everything that I need. That is broad. Where, where would you get that supposition that, that God knows in his wisdom what you need and don't need? And if you didn't get blessed, well, then it's because God knew. Yeah. That's not in the word. Looks like something that life changing, that transformative would be in the word if it was true that the Lord would give us a heads up saying, by the way, now we got some caveats here. We got some some disclaimers here. I'm this and I'm that and I'll do all this and we'll we'll run through that. But you need to know I reserve over here that if you're not walking in the wisdom I have prepared for you, I'm going to intervene and bring you something or not bring you something that wouldn't be good for you. But the truth is, I've messed up all of my life and the Lord didn't stop it. It's like, Lord, you missed a good chance to put the brakes on me and not let me have that. But I just jumped in and bought that car or bought that house or moved to this place. I mean, I was in it and I looked back later and go, that was a mess up. Lord, how come you didn't take that out of my life? Well, it must be that he doesn't do that. He said, seek me first. 
diligently seek me and I'll reward you with what you diligently seek me for. Well, then why would we not diligently seek him? Because we don't believe. We're immersed in this other system. So for 30 or 50 or however long we're going to be here this morning, you'll hear me rail about this and make the case for it and bring convincing evidence that what I'm saying is true. But then you got 23 hours in this day and then till all week if, or however long you get back in the word to tell you that didn't happen and to slide back. We all do it. I do it, you do it, we all do it. And, and to, to deny it is just silly because we all do it. So we need a constant renewal of our mind. Not a renewing one time and we're done, but a constant renewal of our mind to stay on course till we finally drive those pesky little doubt and unbeliefs, those little small things, those failure things, we finally drive them out. And you can't just go there. You can't take a church, any church, and just stand up and go there. You have to work like baby food going to steak. We got to work it from the first end and go to the end. And that's what we're doing. Because it doesn't do any good if you present the, the steak or the, the end of it and nobody can eat it or nobody can chew it and it just goes over. Then when the meeting's over, nothing transacted. So you talk about God is good. He's on your side. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. You put that out there and explain that. And, and all of a sudden, we get a desire for more. We develop an appetite for the goodness of God. I said an appetite where we want more. Well, that's good news. And besides, it worked. We brought our tithe into the storehouse. And man, we sure needed that. And boy, that would have been handy at the end of the week. And But then suddenly things change. Maybe not suddenly, but increasingly they change. And we see the evidence of the word. And so we're encouraged that if a little's a little good, maybe a lot's a lot good. And so we say, God, I'll take more of that. And as we hunger, he starts revealing and pulling back revelation. It's good to know where you are on the map. When me and Deborah Ann would travel, we all, you know, you, you go, let's go there. Well, where are we? I don't know. Are we in Idaho or are we in Kansas? Well, it makes a difference on how you get there. <laughs> so we need to know where we are. You need to be honest with who you are, what you are, how your pursuit has been, what you've been willing to put up with, how, how you've been willing to let the devil just beat your brains out. And you go, I'm through with that. I've certainly done this. I'm through letting him beat my brains out. But then you slide back in. He leaves you alone for a little while and you lull back in. And then he goes in there and just baseball, baseball bats you again. You go, well, how long is this going to last? All your life. All your life until you say, none of my life. And that's when a fire starts burning. And that's when people start getting on fire is when they say, I've had enough of religion and traditions of men. I'm going to believe the word. Whatever the word says, that's the end of it for me. I'm not going to say, yeah, but God wants this, and sometimes he allows that. Have you all heard those little sayings that come after what I just said? God, you know, God knows best. And you just get trash and junk after that. You just get, you, everybody's letting God off the hook because they think he, he's the Savior, but they don't want people to reject him because he didn't do what he said. 
so they get him off the hook so you'll just get saved and go to heaven and, and not... Uh, I, my good friend Pastor West, one time he said, you know, if we were like the Baptists, and I'll just use them, but they're all that way. He said, it's easy. Why contend for healing and prosperity and have to deal with everybody's everything about, well, it didn't work for me, and I, what about this? If you, don't, if you just believe that God's in control, you don't, have to, you don't have to know anything. You just like, well, that's how it is. That's, God's in control. But here we are contending for the promises to be exactly and precisely what the Word says they are. We're contending. And if it didn't work, if it didn't play out, then we just recontend. We just come at it from a different angle. We just come at it again and keep on pressing toward the mark. Well, that's a lot of work. That's a lot of trouble. Why not just say God's in control and just walk away from it and be through? That's a lazy man or a lazy doctrine to just say, ah, you never know what God's going to do. But it's not true, and it's a lie, and it's going to be held accountable for all the people that they told that lazily, and it wasn't true. I mean, I told you about this man in a funeral. This just, just I hate to say it blew me away, but that's, that you'd understand what it meant. Someone precious had passed, and he's, he's there at the front of the church, and his pastor gets up. And he says, well, you know, it's hard today. It's hard today. And we all are looking at this situation saying, why, Lord? But he said, I'll tell you, God has a different good than we do. We, we don't think this is good, but it, it is good in God's eyes because God took this man and he knows the ins and outs and what he was about. And he went on and on and just, and just slobbered all over himself. And blah, blah, blah. It was just terrible. And so I, I asked people after the service, I said, did you hear that? No, he didn't say that. I, they never heard a word of it. We, we were both in service. And that's what he said, that God has a different good. What may seem bad to you, somehow God's got a different good, and when we get to heaven, we'll find out what it is. It's in the book. It's in the book. If you want to lie, you'll fry, but because it, it's in the book. Everybody in there was pacified. Everybody in there was satisfied with that explanation. Yes, yes, God's got a different good. It just, I'd never heard that kind of lie put that way. But it worked. Everybody in there was like, ah. And I was over there going, ah. <laughs> I was, but I was listening. I knew I wanted to preach on it someday. Hallelujah. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 22. Let's, let's look at this. If y'all got a minute more, tell you what, I'll let you off Wednesday night if you'll, if, you'll, <laughs> if you'll go with me. Hallelujah. Genesis chapter 22. But not for long. I don't much like this off of Wednesday business. I'm cooperating with it, though. And I am, I am working hard on this men's meeting, this men's curriculum. I am really pressing. Okay, it says, and you know this story, but we're, go we're going to read it. It's kind of arduous. Uh, verse 20, uh, chapter 22, verse 1, Genesis. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. Well, we know it says in, uh, in James that God doesn't tempt anybody. But the word here is really proved Abraham. And remember, it's also Old Covenant. And there was different rules in the Old Covenant than there are now. So we'll let this go because it's Old Covenant. 
He said, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here am I. And he said, Now take thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went into the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off, and said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship. Now look at that next line. And come unto you again. We will come unto you again. So here is the first type of the resurrection. We will come to you again. God's told him, I want you to offer him. So he's got the knife, he's got the wood, he's got the fire, and he's got the sacrifice. And Abraham took the wood on the, of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son and took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father. And he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. Now let's just stop there for a moment and just clear this up or make, make this point. You've never given God anything out of your stuff. He gave. He's given you everything you've ever been asked or directed to give back. You've never tithed out of your money. You've never tithed. He gave you the tithe. Well, it didn't look like it. It needed to be marked. If that's the way it is, he needed to mark from God and from Abco or whatever. Well, faith has to be in play here, and you just have to know it's in there. I got a raise. I got a good job. Whatever, whatever. He provides what he asks us for. So nobody's ever been out anything when they gave to God. And I believe that with all my heart. I believe that, that you and I, as stewards, it says in Romans 12 that he's called paymasters. And that he's, he's proving you and I, qualifying is the word, to, to see what you'll do with a little. If you'll be faithful over a few things, Matthew 25 says, he'll make you master over many. So he doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't prove you over people's lives. Say, well, go counsel them and go drink. He, he tests us on something that doesn't hurt. Money. Will you, will you take this to there and will you go here with that? And will you, He tests us on things that will not wreck people's lives. And if we can do that, if you can be faithful over what is another man's, the Word says, Jesus said, He will give you what is yours. So I, I want to be a paymaster. I want to be a lot of things. I want him to use me. I'm not saying I want to be anything. I just want to be used. I want to be used in healing, don't you? I want to cast out devils, don't you? It's kind of scary thinking about it, but it's like, ah, that's I'm the big dog. Those are little dogs, and I'll just, I'll just run them all off. So we all want to be used, but we're qualifying. So this morning's offering or anything like that, you may think, well, I just put $100 in, whatever. That's what we do. That's what I like to do. You're proving yourself that if he can trust you in a clutch, like, it's a little tight this week. Ooh, it's a little squeezy. Let's just do it anyway. Because anybody will give out of an affluence, out of an abundance. All these people that won the lotto, they all were giving it away. So that's no big deal. It's what you do when there's a tight one, when it's a squeezy. That's what, that's what measures you. And when you say, we're going to do it, 
because there's plenty more where that came from. Then you qualify, and, and if we could see the celestial chart, the heavenly chart, we would see our rank. I'm not a buck private anymore. Sure started out that way. But now I'm something above that, aren't you? Yeah. And I see that. I know that. I, I read the Word, and I believe He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. So I'm in. And so it's not money. It's not like, well, here comes the offering. He's going to get our money. It has nothing, nothing, nothing to do with money. It has to do with heart. It has to do with, with where He's sending you. Can you go the track that He's sending you on? Well, it seems awful hard. Well, too much is given, much is required. So, yeah, River Church, the fluff has cleared out. If you want to know how it is, the fluff has cleared out, and you're what's left. It's all going to be on the curve. It's all coming back around, but he's establishing you. And not over weird stuff. Will you give a million dollars here? It's over just, just, just putting it in, just showing up to do prayer, to do children's church. Uh, Jonathan's in children's church this morning. Annette will be in children's church next, next uh, Sunday. And we didn't even know about it. And yet there they are in their place, prepared, got their, got their assignments, got their stuff gathered up, their object lessons and everything. They're back there. And, and we don't even know. We pay them no attention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Annette, go back there and take care of those babies. It is so powerful. It is so, so powerful what's happening. It is so powerful. And you would say, that's nothing. Anybody could do it. Ah! But anybody that would do it is considered qualified. Yeah. Well, uh, let's see. So Abraham said, my son, God will provide. And they came to the place which God had told him of, verse 9. And Abraham built an altar there, laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son. Now remember... We, we get to thinking, or maybe you have thought, because you see pictures, that Isaac was seven, that he was like Josiah or something. He was just a little dude, and you know, get up there, or I'll haul you up there. References say that he was 16 or 17, and we already know Abraham was way old. Remember, that's his whole story. He was way old. And now here, 16 years later, he was a strapping lad. So he didn't have to get up there unless he wanted to. So there's faith here on both sides. He trusted his father. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But he'd already told the boys down the hill, I'll be back. We'll be back. And the angel of the Lord called out unto him, and he said, Here am I. He said, Lay not thy hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For I know now that thou fearest God, thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. Well, now that's passing the big test. And I'll just tell you, Abraham had already passed a bunch of little tests. You don't get to this one, and you and I don't get to this one until we've passed a bunch of little ones. But every time we pass anything, we qualify to go through another one. It's called stewardship. It's called faith. It's called uh, faith and patience. It's what we do. Nobody notices. Nobody says, oh, did you hear about them? They came down there and cleaned the church last week because God had told them to. And, and they, ooh, it's like, I don't know and I don't care. Isn't that right? We don't care what you had for supper last night. 
We don't care what you bought on sale at Piggly Wiggly this last week. We don't care about the details of your life. We care about stewardship. We care about what you're doing that you're called to do. And so it says, uh, uh, verse 13, he lifted up his eyes and look, behold him, a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham uh, went up and took the ram, offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. Now here's verse 14. This is where I'm going. And Abraham called the place, the name of that place. I guess they didn't have, you know, regular towns back then and regular, you know, five miles to Yosemite or whatever. So anybody that came to a place, they got to name it. And Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah Jireh is what we say. It's Yireh. The J is a, is a Y. Jehovah Yireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. So that's how it's translated in the King, King James. Um, I wrote it down here. Uh, the word literally means the one who sees ahead to provide now. You think God knew about all this stuff when he told Abraham, take, take young buck and go up the hill? Sure he did. He had the ram already in place. He already had the angel in place. Hey, Bubba, don't, don't forget, don't be late when Abraham's up there with Isaac. Don't be an hour late because it'll, you'll mess it up. He had the angel on point. And that's what he's doing for you and I. Because he's Jehovah Jireh, which Jesus has taken this place. We're not, we're not into the covenant names of the Old Testament because Jesus is all of them. He's all of them. We, we don't have to get out the banners and the flags and the, the Jehovah Nisi and Jehovah Shammah and all those things, except to know Jesus is all of them. The God that looks ahead and provides. So the theme that I'm working with this morning is God is all that I need him to be. What do I need him to be? He's already looked ahead and brought back the provision, made the supply, made the connections, worked it out. He's on time with everything I need. You go, well, he supplies all of our need. The word for in Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply all of your need. How? According to Jesus, according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. What is the word need there? The word there is want. And I can take you to Mark eleven twenty four, where it says, What things soever ye desire when you pray, believe that ye receive them. Receive what? Whatever I desire. Whatever I want. Oh, no, it's just what you need. He won't let you go three days without a hamburger. Two, maybe, because he's got purposes that are higher than our way. And all that junk. No, he, he, if you'll get in tune with Holy Ghost and diligently seek him, things on your desire list are on his list. And you go, well, how's, how's he know? He's the God that goes ahead and looks and then provides. He's fetch it. He goes and fetches it out and brings it back. And it's right there at the right time of your life that you need it. He's amazing. He's so much more than saving you from a fiery hell. He's so much more. It's almost insulting, and I, I want to be careful here. It's almost insulting to say, I got Jesus in my life so I could miss hell. I mean, it's absolutely true, but there is so, so much more. 
Well, sweetie, I'm going to marry you. I'm going to ask you to marry me because your daddy's got lots of money and I don't have any. What, what girl wouldn't be insulted and kick the bum out? You go, I know, we're in it for love. If I had nothing, would you? No, if you didn't have nothing, I'm looking around. Well, it's the same thing. Lord Jesus, I just want to be saved so I don't have to go to hell. It's insulting. And so you go, well, we don't do that, and we don't. But it's almost in that same vein, if you'll allow me to go there, that same vein, when we, when we contrive or do business to get things, instead of diligently seek Him about what He wants us to do that He's already gone ahead and looked at and provided. In other words, we're in the details of how's this going to work out. Ah, no, Jehovah Jireh's on the job. No details needed. He'll tell you, turn left here, turn right there, but you don't need to know who's going to be at the other end of it. You don't need to know if it's going to come. It will be there. How, how will it be there? From them that diligently seek Him, He will reward. This, this is one of the best messages I've ever preached. I just, I just love to talk about the goodness of God, how, how He's so much more than we so much more. Now, I got a little thing that I'm working on, but I'll just share part of it here. Uh, it's, it's uh, uh, I see what I got time for. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. Impoverished is the word. That you through, that you through his, that you through his poverty might be made rich. And if you look up with the word rich, you know it means stuck. You go, I believe that. No, we don't. I mean, I I wouldn't insult you if you did, but I'm just saying, generally speaking, no, we don't. We believe that God will supply all of our need. And we're content with if I have a need, God wouldn't withhold it. But that's not what he is, and that's not what he does. He made you rich. Then if you go to the next verse... Uh, in uh, I'm, I'm messing around with this, but in chapter 9, that was 8 and 9, but in chapter 9, verse 8, it says, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. That's over the top. We should never take a thought about anything in particular because he's all sufficiency in all things that you may abound to every good work. And then Ephesians 3.20. I'm just going to blow next week's message up and go to something else next week. I get so excited about this. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all you can ask, think, or imagine. Now that's Jehovah Jireh. Well, how, how come that's not working? And here's, here's the crux. How do you get that? Hebrews eleven six says, He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. In other words, it's not just showing up at the pie kitchen and says, we'll take two cherries and a chocolate. He's, you own the kitchen. You own everything, anything that you want is there. 
all sufficiency in all things, abounding to every good work. So there's some diligent seeking. Now, it's true, we're all wanting a good life. But so does every American and Frenchman and German man. That's just inside of our humanness. But there's a price for all of that. I told you my father, he's a good man. He's a good man. And he was very focused. His, when his father died at age 47, 48, somewhere in there, very young, very young, uh, he left my father's mother with nothing. They were sharecroppers. There was nothing. And so my dad had to come back and help Granny pull it together, the three brothers. And so my father, this is what my mother tells me, he made a vow at that time and said, I will never allow my family to be in this situation. I will always have plenty to bridge any gap. Well, see, that's a that's a that's a it's a carnal or a soulish or a worldly way to react to something that's terrible. He so was smitten by this this total dearth, this lack that he joined the armed forces and all that sort of stuff. The point is, is we have what he said from a carnal side, and he carried it out. I mean, all my life we were drilling water wells and buying irrigation systems and everything from another state. We were in Arizona, but he was sending money and every paycheck and everything. We were, because he was driven by this. We ought to be as driven in the Holy Ghost to diligently seek him. That's my point, is not, not go get a job and not react to some terrible thing, some tragedy, something that was terrible, and say, well, I, I'm never going to let that happen to me. Well, we already have that in the Lord Jesus that he would never let that happen to us. It's because these people, bless their hearts, I mean, and I love Granny. I just loved her. She's my favorite of all of them. But they just didn't know. They didn't know that my God shall supply all your need. So they had to go to a different type of system. And we should not be chasing the dollar. We should be chasing Jesus. And that's what's going to pay your bills and position you to be used of God, which is really all you want. All you think you want, I want my babies to grow up, and I want them all to have this, and I want the little home by the lake. No, you don't. That, you, yeah, sure, that's in there. What we want is to be used by the Lord. You, you, if you look and diligently seek Him, you'll find out that's where it is. Lord, use me. I don't care about this place. Just use me. So we're diligently seeking Him. Well, you being here this morning is part of that. This is not easy to come to this and to take this. It, it should be. It should be normal, but it's not. And so that makes it hard because it's not normal. But I commend you. I commend you for pressing in. But we're going to press in some more because that's who we are together. The Word says in Corinthians that He puts the members in the body severally as it has pleased Him. So none of you are here by accident. I'm certainly not. And so we're going like, let's pony up. If, if we're here for a heavenly reason, we ought to carry it out. So Father, we thank You this morning for the life of God that You've imparted unto us to live life on earth as You live it. 
I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. So, Lord, right now, everything that's in our way, everything that's saying, but you'll have to give up this and you'll have to work hard at that. We just dispel those lies and say, this is easy. I'm going to seek my father like I would on earth if I was young. And all the things that he has will be added unto me. He's a rewarder. So, Lord, I, I put that in my heart. I put that truth in my heart. And I ask you to help me reinforce it. So that's the way I live. In Jesus' name, amen. Woohoo! Isn't Jesus wonderful? He's wonderful. God provides everything we need. Well, stand up. We'll sing. We ought to sing. Make a joyful noise.